Well, good morning, church. Before I say anything, I want you to know how blessed I am and I love each and every one of you. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to think how um, this, this Friday, uh, we, Kayla, and I, Kayla and I argued about this, so, uh, but this Friday, uh, we will be the, we'll mark five years since we've been here at Smoke Rise. Uh, and so we're, we're blessed with that. And we, I say we argue over that because we, uh, we moved uh, on Iron Bowl uh, Saturday. Uh, and that, that was this past one. And I'm sorry to bring that up for any Auburn fans. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but we did, we, did move, uh, we did move the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, I, again, I, I'm thankful for all. I look back at all that God has done in my life uh, and in, uh, as he's grown me and, and Smoke Rise plays a major, major part in that. So I want to say, say thank you. I want to say I love each and every one of you and as one of the pastors here at Smoke Rise, I am here for you and if I can do anything, uh, please let me know. And we are trusting God uh, as we enter into this time of transition. Uh, and so before we go any further, I want us to just stop and I want us to pray. Uh, for that time uh, and I want us to just take just a second as, if you would uh, if you would bow your heads with me and let's just go to our God even as we look this morning uh, at the hope we have in him Father God we love you and we trust in you now God we thank you that we can come God I thank you for the the privilege it has been to serve uh, your people, God, to serve uh, in this calling, and God, to see all that you have done here at Smoke Rise, God, and I know that you have got great plans in store for us, uh, Father, we're trusting you in that, uh, God, I know that, uh, again, as I've always said, and I know your desire is to build your kingdom, uh, and you are going to do that, and God, you have invited us to be part of that, and so I pray that we would trust and we would walk in humility. God, we would walk in, a, uh, in just a submission to your word and to your spirit. God, would you grant the elders wisdom? Would you grant this congregation wisdom and discernment on how uh, as we go about making this transition? God, and until then, God, I know uh, my heartbeat is to share God's word and to uh, do your will, God. And I believe that is the heartbeat of every uh, every individual, God, that seeks to honor you. Uh, God, may we trust in you and walk out that will perfectly, God, because of your spirit who is perfect in us. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. We're going to enter in uh, to a, a series as we enter into the, to the Christmas holiday, enter into the holiday season. Uh, God gave me a, a series that I've loved to, to walk through on the season of Advent. Now, some of you may be familiar with Advent, knowing, knowing what it is and not sure. Some of you might go, I've, I've heard of it. You, there's normally a wreath and a candle. Uh, ultimately, what my heartbeat is, we're not necessarily going to go through the wreath or anything, but I just want us to look at what this, this particular season means, this word looks like, and what this means for us as the Christian faith. If, as part of our Christian faith, and Advent comes just from the meaning.
meaning the, the Latin word which means coming or arrival. And so even as we enter into this holiday season and we talk about Advent, we're talking about the coming or the arrival of Jesus Christ. And so when we say, when you hear me say Advent, that's what you can know that's what I'm referring to. But the thing is, about this particular time, as we celebrate, as we enter into the holiday season, anybody got their Christmas tree up yet? Anybody have their Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, see, there you go. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe Anybody have their Christmas, up, Christmas tree up before Halloween? Okay, well, at least we're doing that. We're, at least we're at least we're doing that good. But uh, you know, we 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 get excited about this holiday season, and there is great reason to rejoice. There is great reason to celebrate. But what I want us to do beyond celebrate is that my heartbeat and my desire in this series, and even as you, if you saw in your worship guide or the video, the promo video on our Facebook page about the devotional uh, Advent waiting here for you by Pastor Louis Giglio, who is pastor of Passion City Church over in Atlanta and founder of the Passion uh, Conference. We, I want us to not just celebrate, my desire is for us to prepare for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and I mean that too in, in two ways. I, I believe we need to, of course, we're always preparing and hoping for that day when he comes again. But I believe we need to prepare our hearts now and prepare looking back at all that God has done and, and trusting and preparing to celebrate, to truly rejoice in the coming, the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his birth as we celebrate on Christmas. And so we're going to walk through over the next five Sundays different aspects of how we, of what we celebrate and what we are preparing ourselves for as we look at this series of Advent. And today, this morning, we kick that off with the very first thing, and that is we got Advent. There's going to be different aspects. The first aspect we're looking at this morning is God promises. Advent God promises, and the takeaway for this morning is this. You can write this down if you take notes. Write down in, in your worship guide. We give an area for you to do that in there. But write down this takeaway. God's past promises fulfilled gives us hope in God's future promises revealed. God's past promises fulfilled gives us hope in God's future promises revealed. What do we mean by that? Well, here's the deal. I don't know about y'all, but I am in charge during over this past weekend. I was in charge of the turkey for Thanksgiving, okay? Uh, now, you know, some of you are sitting there going, oh, poor family. No, actually, I, I, I've, I've come to love to, to smoke turkeys. I, I, got, a, I got an electric smoker uh, that where you could put, we, we put 18 pounds of turkey in there, okay? And I'm not just talking about 18-pound turkey with bone and everything. We get just straight-up turkey breasts, and we just put, so we got 18 pounds of just straight-up meat. You're like, why in the world do you need that much meat? Well, when you have, when, when, when we're going to spend time with Kayla's family, and she's one of nine siblings, and then there are eight or seven grandchildren running around. Then there's boyfriends and girlfriends and fiancés and husbands. We had about 25 people in this house, okay? So 18 pounds of turkey is needed on that. But to smoke 18 pounds of turkey, you've really got to time it just right. You've got to really kind of look at that. Your you average is about 45 minutes per pound. So if you look at that, that's going to mean you. I, I need about 12 to 13 hours of time to make sure I had everything covered, if not a little bit, a little bit more. 
And so the problem is, is most people eat Thanksgiving dinner when? They really eat it for lunch. It's Thanksgiving lunch, right? You know, we, you, you eat it kind of 1, 2 o'clock. So that means if I'm going to do this, I've got to start smoking at 1 a.m. And I really didn't want to do that. And so I put it on late that, late that evening before. So I put, I put everything in there. We get everything. Season, Kayla seasons all that. I don't touch raw poultry. It's just something I don't, I just, it's just not happening. I'm sorry. Uh, but I'll, 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 I'll take care of it from that point. All right? So she seasons it. We put it in. Uh, and it's one of those things, put it in about 10.30 uh, that, that night. And we come, I, I get up real early, I keep looking at it. Uh, the, the smoker I got, it's got Bluetooth, so it connects to my phone, and so it, uh, it's got the little meat probe. I, well, I, I did have to get up. I mean, if you're wondering, I did have to get up out of bed to check it, okay? Uh, I went from there to the recliner in the living room. But, um, but no, I, I had to get up. I had to go outside, and it's about 30 degrees over there, and have to put more wood chips on uh, and everything. But I, I really I love doing this. I enjoy doing this. And all this was planned for us to eat about 1.30 or 2 o'clock. The problem is, is what time do you think we ate? It wasn't 1.30 or 2 o'clock. Uh, it was, by the time, but let's just say by the time we ate, everyone's tired and really just like, I'm not really hungry right now, okay? We ate about four, just a little after four. We had people traveling, so they were behind and everything. But I mean, in my mind, I'm sitting there going, oh no, now the turkeys are going to be ruined. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you have this picture, and every one of us could honestly have, could tell those holiday stories, right? Where you picture, you picture everything going perfectly, Right? You think everything's going to, the food is going to be amazing. Everybody's going to get here right when they're supposed to get here. There's going to be absolutely no fighting or arguing whatsoever amongst any family members. And all it takes is just one instance to realize that our perfect plans don't always come out the way they plan to be, right? And the moment that happens, we realize that, guess what? We are part of a, of a finite creature. We are a finite creature, meaning we're not infinite in power, infinite wisdom, infinite, uh, infinite in, in being able to be anywhere and every, everywhere at all times. And we live in a broken and fallen world with other finite Christians. And before we know it, our perfect plans and our desires and, our, and our, our hopes and our dreams come crashing down. I, and and can, we just say, can I just say that it can go beyond, it goes beyond the holiday season. It can go to any promise or hope or expectation that we may set. And when we look and we walk into this world hoping for these things, maybe it's a vacation and you, you just got this perfect picture of what a vacation is going to be. And before you even leave the house, you realize that that is ruined because you left the house and you forgot this and then you come back and get it. And then you leave the house again and you forget this and you have to come back and get it. And before you know it, you're stuck in traffic. You don't even get to your destination before everything falls apart. But it could honestly be any promise. Maybe it is the guilt of a forgotten promise on your part. Maybe it's one of those things that maybe when, we, if, when we come to this realization, we got this perfect plan, but we realize and we remember and we forget 
the promises we've made, we were supposed to do this, or we said we would never do that again. Maybe it's the pain of failed promises, and we were the, someone had told us that, they, that we could count on them, or someone said this would never happen, or we could trust, and then they fail us. Or maybe it's just the shock of unforeseen and uncontrollable circumstance. But no matter what, we are quickly reminded if it, it, just within a couple minutes of taking a breath each morning that we are not perfect and we don't live with perfect people and we don't live in a perfect world. And the whole point of Advent is my desire for us as we look at that, if you can identify with any of those situations, my whole desire for this morning is that we can renew our hope as we see that not all promises are forgotten or broken. You see, God's past promises fulfilled gives us hope in God's future promises revealed. Now, what I want to do this morning is break that down, and I would encourage you to take notes because we actually, I want to, we're going to look at several different aspects and several different scriptures that will pull from these and help us kind of put a big picture together. I know I normally, I normally am one, I like to preach book by book, verse by verse, but this morning, just so we have a big picture of what scripture says when it, in regards to God's promises, I want us to look at a couple different things, and I want us to break this takeaway down into two parts. First, I want us to look at God's past promises fulfilled. God's past promises fulfilled. Why is it that we can have hope? It is because God has fulfilled his promises. And we can look at scripture upon scripture upon scripture to see this and that there is a promise and a plan. Even if our perfect plan does not work out, there is a perfect plan that God has established that we know will not change. Write this down. God has had a plan from the beginning that has never changed. You can trust in that. Regardless of whatever promises have failed you or whatever promises you have forgotten and you have failed at, you can trust that God has had a plan and a promise from the beginning that has never, ever changed. And that promise is this, that he desires to redeem that which is broken. He desires to redeem that which has been broken. And guess what? God is faithful to his promises. We know that by a couple of scriptures. Look at, look at this on, the, on your screen. Write, the, write these. I would encourage you to write these verses down and go back and read them. They'll be on the screen because, as we said, we'll jump around a little bit. Uh, first off, Job 42, 2, it says this, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be Job is talking here and he is having a conversation with God and he is wondering if you know anything about Job. He has gone through a little bit of a trial. He has had some promises that seem to have failed. He has had some promises that have seemed to have been forgotten and finally it comes to this point where God steps in and, and has a conversation with Job and Job through that conversation realizes this. He says, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours 
can be thwarted. Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 11 says this, says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about what I have planned, that I will do. Can I just say, the voice of Isaiah in the time, to the people of Israel, if you'd have looked at their circumstances, if you looked at the promises and the struggles that they were facing, they needed to be reminded. They needed to be reminded that God's past promises are being fulfilled. And for us, God's past promises have been fulfilled. And we can continue to trust in that. And God is going to do his good work. And he has invited us to be part of that. He has said, come along with me as I redeem that which has been broken. You are the means by which we go and do it. But can we say that even if we fail, because can, can I be honest, there's times we're, we're going to fail even. We know that God is still in control. Look at Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. The story of Esther is the people are in exile and they, uh, and they are about to, Esther has been brought into the palace to be uh, a queen and, she, and the people are about to be persecuted and they are about to be wiped out and Mordecai her uncle tells Esther to go, please, before the king, even if it means death. And Esther says, I can't. If I do, I will surely die. If you go before the king without being summoned, it's a death penalty. And Mordecai responds to this and says this. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. Verse 14, catch this. If you keep silent at this time, guess what? Relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. Catch the weight of that. Because it, it, God says, look, I've made a promise here. I go back all the way to my covenant I made with Abraham and I declared to Abraham that he will have a people that will be more numerous than the stars. And even though it looks like that people will not last, I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. He said, Mordecai tells Esther, if you keep silent, if you don't go, that's fine. That's okay. Why? Because I'm trusting that God's going to still do his plan. He's still going to fulfill his promise. We just sometimes miss out of the blessing when we don't walk in obedience in that. And sometimes there are even consequences. What does he say? If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. And here's the beautiful part. Catch this. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The best part is, is we can trust that God's promises will come to be. And guess what? He says, you may be the reason that it comes about. Will you walk in obedience? Will you trust in him? 
the beautiful thing about all that we've looked at. These were just Old Testament. These were just Old Testament scriptures. And the thing is, if the people of the Old Testament could trust without seeing the full picture, why is it so hard for us to trust? They knew the promise, and they, but they didn't see it. They, they, they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah, of the King that would come, that would be King of kings and Lord of lords, yet they continued to walk. They didn't, and, and can I just say, they messed up. I'm not saying we've got, we're going to live perfect. I'm going to say that every morning we wake up, we don't have to constantly remind ourselves to go and trust in that. We don't have to speak that into ourself because ourself and our flesh would want to say, nope, not today. I just can't do it. I'm not trusting. It's not good enough. It doesn't work. But the people of the Old Testament saw something bigger. And we, we have seen what is biggest, and that is the greatest promise that it was fulfilled is exactly what we're, what we're preparing and celebrating this in the coming months, and that is the coming of Jesus Christ. You see, as we look at God's past promise fulfilled, Jesus is the apex of God's promise fulfilled. Jesus is the apex. Apex just simply means the highest point, the climax, the pinnacle. Everything has been leading up to this. And even as we celebrate this season of Christmas and this season of Advent, preparing and expecting the coming and the arrival, we have to remember that God always fulfills his promises. You see, we have the complete story. We have from beginning to end. And can I just say, Jesus is in every page. And he is the hope that we find in uh, in the midst of whatever we're walking through. And this was God's plan. We said, we said earlier that God has had a plan from the beginning that has never changed. And we see that if we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Look at this with me. When you think that everything had failed, when you think uh, and you get three chapters into the book and realize these people don't know what they're doing, they've done messed up, they're getting ready to get kicked out of the garden, there are consequences to, that will come, and this is not looking good. But you know what Jesus does? You know what the Word does? the spirit does through the authors puts in the hope right in the darkest part it says in genesis chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 so the lord said to the serpent because you have done this you are cursed more than any livestock and any more than any wild animal you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life catch this this is this is what the church calls proto evangelium Proto-Evangelium, which is the first message, the first hint, and the first pointing to the promise to be fulfilled. And that is this, I will put hostility between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. 
You see, this, this passage, Genesis, from the earliest time, Genesis 3, 15, has been called the Proto-Evangelium because it is the first note of God's redemptive intention following the fall in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve failed to obey the terms of the covenant of works, God did not destroy them, which he would have been completely just to do. Instead, he installs the covenant of grace says there is going to come. Yes, there is death. Yes, yes, there is now pain. Yes, it is now hard. Yes, there will be turmoil. But there is coming. There is coming an heir. There is coming an offspring. And he promises the Savior. And Jesus was the plan from the very beginning. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope that God, that, that Jesus wasn't pl God's plan B. It wasn't one of those things that God created these things and, and all of a sudden mankind fail, uh, failed and, and, fall, and, and fallen into sin without God's knowledge or something. And God, oh, well, great. What do I got to do here? I got to do something here. Let's quick. Let's figure, hey, you want to go? No, do you want? Okay, fine. You'll go. Okay. No, he didn't have, he wasn't scrambling. He wasn't, he wasn't freaking out, figuring out, trying to say, what are we going to do? I was freaking out for, uh, Thursday morning going, what are we going to do about the turkeys? <laughs> They're going to dry out. They're not going to be good. Everybody's going to blame me. And it's this person's fault. And they should have been here on time. And That's what we do, right? God wasn't up there sitting there pointing fingers trying to figure this out. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24 it says fellow israelites this is peter speaking to the congregation and you know, proclaiming the first message uh, after Jesus' death burial and resurrection from on the day of pentecost when the spirit fell on him and empowered him he says this fellow israelites listen to these words this jesus of nazareth was a man attested to you by god with miracles wonders and signs that god did among you through him just as you yourselves know Though he was delivered up, accord, listen, according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, according to this purpose, you used lawless people to nail him to the cross and kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. It was God's plan all along. And you know what he does in that plan? He invites each of us to come and be part of that. And he says, look, I know you've seen plans fail. I know you've seen promises broken. You've seen, that you've seen the pain and the hurt, but I can tell you that I will not fail you. And you can trust in me. Something I love to share, and I, may, I, I can't remember who I've shared. I know I've shared it with, with students uh, but if, I, if I've shared it with you before, just bear with me, because I love this point. I love this, 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 the, it, bl it blew my mind when I first saw it. 
uh, that is, there are, uh, anybody know how many specific messianic prophecies, promises, prophecies are nothing but their form of promise that, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to come about. Uh, on the messianic prophecies regarding Jesus coming as the Messiah, there are 332 distinguished prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill in order to be that Messiah. If he had broke one of those, if he had not, if he had not fulfilled one of those, then, he, then, then God's word would have failed because it would have been a promise unfulfilled. Now, I want you, if you, if you know anything about numbers, if you have any, any kind of experience in math, if you were to write out the equation 10 to the set 1 over 10 to the 17th power, what that would be is that is a probability equation, okay? It basically, what that is saying is that 1 out of 10 to the 17th power number of people, okay? I can't even tell you, it's probably. Billion, trillion, gazillion, whatever word we want to make. It's basically one over a one with 17 zeros, okay? The chances of Christ fulfilling these prophecies, that's the, that's the probability equation. For Christ to fulfill these, these prophecies, it would be one in, in 10 to the 17th power number of chances. And he had to fulfill that. And can I just say that that... That probability equation is not even talking about all 332. That probability equation is just talking about eight of those 332 prophecies. And Jesus had to fulfill every one. Can, just to give you a picture, kind of an illustration on this. It, t- 10 to the one, 1 over 10 to the 17th power in probability ratio would be the equivalent of this. Taking the state of Texas and covering it completely with quarters. All the way up to just past your knee. Okay, about 18 inches deep. And then you would take one of those quarters, you would draw an X on that with a red marker, and you would throw that quarter out in the middle of that massive pile. And then, for this, the the probability of this happening will be the same as you blindfolding yourself, walking some random distance, reaching down and grabbing a quarter, and it being that quarter. I mean, that's Let's just say that's impossible for us. But it's not impossible for our God. Not only did God fulfill, not only did Jesus fulfill eight of the 332, he fulfilled 332 of the 332 prophecies. And I don't know about you, but that gives me some good hope. If Jesus is that powerful if Jesus is truly God the only way he could ever do anything like that would be if he was actually God if Jesus is God then that means I can trust him and the truth is this Dr. D. James Kennedy in an article on the fulfillment of Christ's prophecy he says this he's having a discussion with an atheist who who, is, who's, who says that you can't trust in Scripture, it's written by men, there's no way you can trust in that. And he reads at least 15, if not 20, different 
passages found in the Old Testament, and he asked him, who is this talking about? Who is this, who is this about? And who, about whom did, did he just read? And the guy replied, you obviously read of the life and ministry and suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. So he, this atheist acknowledged that, yeah, that, that's part of the teaching. That is part of the Christian faith. And this is what he says. He says, is, is there any question in your mind about it? The atheist answered, no, that could refer to no one else. And he says, well, then I would want you to understand that all the scriptures I just read from you are taken from the Old Testament, which was completed some 400 years before Jesus was even born. No critic, no atheist, no agnostic has ever once claimed that any one of those writings was written after his birth. In fact, they were translated from Hebrew into Greek in Alexandria some 150 years before he was born. If this was merely a book of men, would you please explain to me how these words were written? If this is just a book of men, if this is just a list of do's and don'ts, if this is not the promises of God being fulfilled and revealed to us as we walk as his, as his church and as his children, then we're no, we're no different than any other world religion. It is noteworthy that, in, he, he goes on to say this, it's noteworthy that no other religious writings in the world do we find any specific pre, uh, predictive t- prophecies like we find in Scripture. You will find no predictive prophecies whatsoever in the writings of Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, or Hinduism. Yet in the scriptures, there are well over 2,000 prophecies overall regarding God's people, regarding events, regarding the coming of Christ, most of which have already been fulfilled. You see, we can trust in God's past promises fulfilled. But what does that mean for us now? What does that look like for us? Well, that's the beauty of the takeaway. Look at the takeaway one more time. God's past promises fulfilled gives us hope in God's future promises revealed. And we need to understand the hope that we have in Christ. Hope looks, write this down, hope looks to the future and is the fuel for us to keep pressing on. Hope looks to the future. We see all these things, and it gives us hope, and we trust in that, and we look for that. But the struggle is this, is the struggle is that there is that the ultimate promise has not yet been fulfilled, that the redemption has not been brought to completion, that Jesus has not come back a second time and established his kingdom and righted all wrongs and, we, and fixed all broken things and made all things new. We don't have that. And we still see what seems to be faults or cracks in the promises. And the heartbeat and the hope of the purpose of Advent is to remind us that there is is a promise we can trust in. I had a conversation with someone recently that was walking right through this same point. They were walking right through this same struggle. Their battle was they look at circumstances around them and they don't see it. They can't understand it. They're battling and they're wrestling. And, and I'm having this conversation. And I'm, 
Uh, I'm talking with them, and they say, well, they, they, just, they, they just can't do anything. They feel like they've got to still do something. There's still something more to do. And I said, no, there is no, there, there is nothing else you could do. There's nothing you could even dream of doing. You could even try to do. God's love has done everything that is needed. You can find hope in that. There is a love that is greater than anything else. And with, with, for the first time in having that conversation, I saw a raw emotion come out of this person. And they said with tears streaming down their eyes, I said, there is not love in the hurt that my family is going through. There's not love in the pain that I see every day. And I said, no, there's not in those circumstances. But there is in the God who is bigger than those circumstances. You see, if we look, if we put our hope and our trust and base it all around what we're walking through, we, we will get weak. We will struggle. We will fall and start shrinking down and start crumbling and being crushed under the pressure. But we need to remember that we are not the promise maker, but rather we are the promise breaker. And Jesus is the only one that can fulfill this, these promises. You see, we look at, if we look at the pain and we look at the struggles of today, where do those come from? Those come from sin. And do you realize if God was to remove sin, he would have to remove the source of sin, which means he would have to remove us. So even it's, to comprehend it is difficult, I know, but, but even the fact that he allows these things to continue is a sign of his goodness. Because he would have to wipe us out if he wanted, if he took it out. And we need to look beyond the bigger picture. And these promises may not be fulfilled, but we can trust that if God says it, he is not a man of his word. He is God. And therefore, he is true and faithful. What promises do we have? If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, you're going to find that he has loved and granted the promise of redemption. He has promised forgiveness. He has promised adoption to anyone that would repent and find their identity in Christ through his love. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he says he will perfect the saving work that he has begun in you. He's going to bring it to completion. Romans 8, 28, it says that all things are being worked together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says he has given us everything we need. All hope. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Verse 4, by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, especially the escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Can I just say that his past promise fulfilled gives us hope that these promises will, that he has revealed will be fulfilled in his, in his timing. They will give us, they give us the grace and the hope. It doesn't mean Thanksgiving goes perfect from, this, from here on out. It doesn't mean everything in our life is going to be great. It doesn't mean that we won't walk in some pain and walk through some trials. 
If we, try, if we believe that, we're setting ourselves up for failure. But what we can trust in, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of hope, regardless of the failed promises, regardless of the forgotten promises, regardless of the plans that went awry, we can trust that he is faithful and that he is good. Koi Ten Boom, a Dutch woman sent to a concentration camp during the Holocaust because her family was sheltering Jewish people. She, she, was, she was sent to this concentration. She wasn't even a Jew. She wasn't even part of that, but they were aiding in that, and she walked this life. She walked this season of her life walking and living through the Holocaust with the Jewish people. We won't compare circumstances. I don't think any one of us in here would have much to hold against her. And this is what she says when she considered this graceful promise. She says, you need not fear. Even though mountains fall into the sea, God doesn't have problems, only plans. There is never a panic in heaven. God is faithful. His, plan, his plans do not fail. And so therefore we trust in the promises revealed knowing that he has fulfilled past promises that he's going to continue to fulfill his promises. So what do we do? As the band moves in, time of response, just briefly. My challenge to you is twofold. What do we do in light of this? What do we do with these promises that we have? What do we do with the hope that we say, we say that, that it gives us hope. Well, what, what do we do in that hope when these promises that have been revealed, they're not quite fulfilled, they're not quite finished, and we're still wondering, is, is there something more? Okay, when's this going to happen? When's this going to come about? God, I, I'm trusting in you, but, but it's not getting any easier. I know for, for many of us, or for some of us in this room, the holidays we rejoice and we celebrate, but for some of us, this is just another time of reminding and remembering that sometimes our promises or sometimes plans and promises don't come true. We enter into this time with, with possibly some heartache more than some expectation. Some of us may look back to this year, 2018, and see all that has happened, we go, where were God's promises there? Where were God's promises when my family started to fall? Where were God's promise when, when, when so-and-so, when this person in my life or, or I myself walked into this addiction and fell into this addiction and battle and this struggle? Or, or where was God's promises in blank? You could, any one of us could fill in the blank right there. Where were they at? They were, they were, still, they were still there. The promise of Jesus redeeming what, was what has been broken is still a promise true, even when the circumstances don't look it. We have been called and being shown that He is God, that He is real, He is true, therefore we can trust in Him. So what do we do when these things are still fighting? We have to rest. We have to come to that point and we rest and we say, God, I've, I've got nothing else. I can't do this. I can't, I can't keep going like this, God. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's, maybe it's a broken promise or a failed plan or a, or a forgotten word. And you're hurting. 
you're battling and you're struggling with that, can I just say, God has not forgotten. His, his, faith, his past promises fulfilled gives us hope that He has not forgotten you. And He will continue to give you hope again. Maybe it's work. Maybe the battling and struggling at work. Wondering what you, you keep you keep falling keep falling into this you keep getting accused falsely accused on these things you know I, I spoke with a with a brother of mine that is battling day in and day out at his work he works and the supervisor over him is just completely irrational and has pretty much proclaimed that he hates him doesn't like him. Racism is involved in it. You look at circumstances and go, where in the world is God in all this? The season of Advent is, is meant to remind us that God is still in the midst of it. And that He sees and He hears. And so we rest. But you know what else we do? We ask. We rest in what God has done and we continue to ask him to come through on his promises. I read the best definition I've ever heard on prayer was this. Prayer is simply calling on the Lord to come through on his promises. What if we approach prayer that way? What if we approach prayer saying, God, we're, we don't know it, we don't trust it, we, 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 or we can't figure it out, but we're trusting in you. And I'm asking you, God, will you come through in your promise? Will you come through on this promise? Will you come through... I'm trusting in you, God. Help me see it. So where are we today? Where are you at today? I can tell you where we're at as a church. We're at a church. We're at the point where we have to rest. We're at that point where we're resting in what God has done. As Jimmy said at the beginning, we would invite you and ask you and beg you to please ask him with us to continue come through on his promises. Take one of those ballots, take one of those nomination ballots and pray over that. Be praying for our church. Be praying for who God has that will continue to serve and to shepherd his congregation. But we know that just because it's not fulfilled right now, it doesn't mean he's never going to fulfill it. We trust in that. Amen? We walk in that we believe in that. And so wherever you're at today, maybe you have promises that you've broken. You're, again, you enter into this time or you look back over the year, you're just walking through a season right now that would say, I'm struggling with this. Can I kind of just tell you that there is hope in the finished promises of God and it gives you hope to continue to trust in Him. You have to put your faith and your hope in Him. You have to give Him everything. You have to surrender our control. If you've never done that that, means that, that means coming and professing Him as Lord and as Savior, as the one who is overall and declaring and saying, I'm not in charge, I am part of the brokenness, and I have brought sin here, I have sinned and, and disobeyed, and I need to be redeemed, I need to be adopted, I need to be forgiven, I need love, the love of God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you can trust in Him. You put your hope and your trust in Him today. Cry out to him. 
Come find one of our leaders. We'd love to talk with you what that looks like and how you can have that hope, that eternal hope today. But for, for us who have, eat, who have put his faith, our faith and trust in him, we still have to daily remind ourselves of that hope. We take up our cross, we die to ourselves daily, and we follow after him. So I'd invite you right now in this time, even as we just sing, you hear the band play and how he loves us. You, would you bow your heads with me and, and just be reminded of God's perfect love for each and every one of us. God's perfect love that he showed on the cross. The love that gives eternal life to anyone who needs it. Anyone who has not trusted in him, there is a love greater. But it is also the sustaining love of the believer. That though we may not see it now, God is still doing a good work. You know what? The turkeys came out just fine. Everything turned out okay. You know what I realized? I was fretting over nothing. I was worrying about nothing. In fact, I ruined my attitude, ruined the attitude of others. So I had to take a second and go, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal. I believe if we will trust in God and we will wait patiently with Him, He'll show us. He may show us that some of our plans or some of our worries or some of our battles aren't as big a deal as we thought they would be. So I'd challenge you right now, right where you're at, if you need to pray and put hope and trust in Him for the first time, that you call out to Jesus and tell them that you are a sinner, that you have that you have forgotten, you have been part of the brokenness and you need redemption, you need to be redeemed and you're trusting today in the promise of Jesus and surrendering your life to follow after him. For believers, would you come and just simply say, God, I don't see it all, but I'm trusting in you. When it comes to to this church, would you pray with me on on trusting that God is going to do his good work here this morning and next Sunday and Sunday after that and all we have to do is walk in obedience and trust with him so if you need to come down front if there's anything you need to confess if there's any areas that you've not trusted if there's anything that you're struggling with and maybe you just need to get alone with God you need to come down you need to bring someone with you to pray with you over that we pray for each other we're here to call to love one another and we do that in different ways but if nothing else what I would invite you would you ask and beseech God and, and, and ask him to continue to come through on his promise regarding the transition here at Smoke Rise with the, new, with the next lead pastor that will bring God's word. As you pray, as you seek God, and we, we trust in the love, just sing this with us. Father God, we love you. We bless your name. And we trust in you now. We give you all hope. We give you all rest. God, we come and we just simply lay at the foot of the cross and say, this is yours. We're trusting in you. God, for anyone in here that, that, that has never heard of this promise of Jesus Christ, that he is the fulfilled 
climax of Scripture, that He is the Son of God, that He gives hope, He gives life, He gives joy to those who have never found it anywhere else, and they will never find it anywhere else apart from Jesus. Give them that hope today. Stir in their hearts to trust in you. But God, for your children, I'd stir in our hearts to trust in you day in, day out as well. We trusted in you eternally, but God, give us the trust and the hope and the assurance and remind us of all that you're doing beyond what we can even imagine to see. And God, we bless your name this morning. Have your way amongst your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with us? We're going to sing again. If we can do anything, find one of our leaders. Come down. If you want to pray, if you, there's anything you need to, to lay out before God, come down here. We'd love to pray with you. Pray with someone over, again, this direction of what God has for us. But let's just sing, close out our time, singing just this chorus, How He Loves Us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. We give Him all the praise.